Praise the Lord. Welcome to everyone. God bless you guys. I hope that you were blessed by the music. Um, I hope some of you guys have put those songs on your playlist. I, I love the music. I think it's very ministering to the heart, very ministering to the spirit. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of think that I might be, uh, you know, years down the line, <clears throat> I'm going to be one of those um, older saints <laughs> that can never really adapt to the newer songs. <laughs> you know, you know how the older uh, saints do it, the, the elderly. You know, back in my day, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, at work, because I work amongst a lot of, a lot of you know youngsters and stuff, and little kids and middle schoolers and elementary school students, <clears throat> and it and you know the thing is I got I got saved in 2011, and so when I got saved in 2011, I I stopped um, listening to all all worldly music, and. <clears throat> So since I stopped listening to all worldly music, my knowledge of the worldly music stopped at that year, right? But but even then, at that time, I didn't really listen to the songs that were, you know, had come out in 2011, 2010, 2009, you know, 2009, so on and so forth. <coughs> A lot of the music I uh, and artists I know are kind of like from the mid-2000s. And so I'll ask the little kids, hey, do you know this artist? They're like, no, who is that? <laughs> And they they're, they they were the ones that were popular at my time, and I I, um, I I guess I'm just shocked, and I shouldn't be, but I'm just shocked that um, it it's only it takes a blink of an eye, and um, if you stop following along with the current of this age, you'll lo- you, you're you'll soon be out of step, right? <clears throat> Everything is changing every five minutes, um, and much more over you know, um, five years, 10 years, 15 years. Um, <clears throat> but I think this is just a, a, a reality that, uh, this life is going to go before, um, before we know it, right? Um, tis one life soon be passed and only that which is done for Christ shall last. Amen. And uh, so we we need to make the best use of the time that we do have, um, <clears throat> you know. And just working amongst kids is a reminder of that. You know, sometimes they want me to play sports and stuff like that, and I'm certainly not active like I used to be or anything, And uh, even though it's it's still possible to regain that. Um, but <clears throat> you, you don't think that uh, a specific age or you know, a specific time or specific season will, uh, come upon you until it actually does. Um, you know, I'm sure we all remember when we were little kids in school and we're like, you know, I can't wait until I turn 18. Right. <clears throat> and then that day comes and you think, wow, that happened very fast. So, you know, it's just a reminder for us to uh, redeem the time to make the best use of it and to, um, Commit to the commission that Christ has entrusted to us, right? Because everything else is sinking sand, and everything else um, will be of no eternal worth. You know, it was uh, Jonathan Edwards, I believe, who originally coined the phrase, Oh, God, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. How many of you know that we, we, that doesn't mean that we become disconnected from real life, but it means that ultimately everything we do is subservient to the ultimate aim, to the high call of God, to that which God has called us to. Amen? And not to get distracted by things that are of lesser importance. I remember uh, Ray Comfort said, if God has called you to be an evangelist, uh, he says, there's going to be many good things that you will be tempted to do, like save the dolphins. And, you know, that sounds real good, right? Hey, let's save the dolphins. 
excuse me. I hate that my internet is always acting up uh, the times that we have our meetings. I need to do something about this. <clears throat> but um, he was saying, yeah, uh, let's save the dolphins, right? If God has called, he says, if God called you to be an evangelist, um, you're going to be tempted to go to, you know, to, to become distracted with other pursuits, even good pursuits. Um, and, um, and he used the analogy of, uh, you know, someone, you know, kind of presenting the idea to you like, Hey, let's save the dolphins. You know, um, I'm sure there are a lot of animal lovers out there and I'm not discouraging that. But once again, if God has called you to something very specific, don't become derailed by things that are of lesser importance. (laughs) (laughs) He is a corny man. Um, um, but <laughs> right. So don't, don't get, uh, derailed by saving the dolphins or, um, let's help eliminate litter. Yay. You know, I remember years back, me and this brother, we were at a grocery store and, uh, <laughs> so there was this lady that was virtue signaling <clears throat> ahead of us in the line. And I could tell she, um, this was back in like 2013, so uh, uh, Vegetable Brains wasn't yet uh, um, uh, running for president. Uh, but had he, I'm sure she would have voted, for, I'm sure she had would have voted for Biden. Or I'm sure she did vote for Biden. But in front of us, in front of the um, line, she's all, yeah, I just went to go turn in my batteries today. <laughs> I love your laugh, man. She's like, yes, I want to go turn in my batteries today. Anything to help the community. And and then me and my brother me and the brother are like, but is that gonna save souls? Like <laughs> Like so how many souls did that win? <laughs> Anyways. Um <clears throat> Oh man, good times. But nonetheless, So don't get derailed by turning in your batteries, right? (laughs) Let's make sure that we're continuing to uh, uh, charge our spiritual batteries, right? Um, But nonetheless, I want to quickly... um, (laughs) My wife always says I'm good at impressions. I I, I don't know. I have a knack for doing that. Um, Like even Joe Biden, right? How does he do it? He's a... Come on, man. What is it? Um, But anyways, uh, Acts chapter 13. Come on, man. Verse 1. Let's begin reading. It says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. <clears throat> this isn't the... First of all, let me say this. Um, we're going to get to prayer here shortly, but I just want to kind of prime us uh, with the word to give us direction for prayer. Okay, so... <clears throat> but secondly is that this portion of the text isn't my main focus. Um, but uh, I want to just give context to what uh, the following path, uh, give context for the following passage in the same chapter. Um, <clears throat> it's important to be primed with the word. There are a lot of sporadic, emotional um, individuals out there that are not directed by the word of the Lord and our prayer is to pray in the spirit. Certainly the primary way to pray in the spirit is to pray in tongues, but nevertheless, you can pray in the spirit by praying with the right heart, energized by the spirit's power and directed by the spirit's will. And the way we can best do that is for our prayers to correspond and comport with the scriptures. The the strength of our prayer 
will be the strength. It will be, we'll, and our prayers will be weakened and futile and ineffective if we do not petition on the strength of the word. And therefore, the, our praying will be as strong as the petitions that we make that are in keeping with the Holy Scriptures. So that if our mind is an empty attic, devoid of, of, of the knowledge of God, then upon what basis are we making effectual prayers? <coughs> you know, I seen this thing today on Instagram and this, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm just, um, I'm just discouraged. I'm, I'm really discouraged by the level of, and I understand a lot of people have sincere hearts, but I'm, I'm really discouraged at the state of the church. Um, and, and, and just the, just the immaturity, the ignorance and, but, um, you know, the, the things that I see that are done for clout and, um, just for likes, but nonetheless, this, this, uh, young sister was doing, you know, she was saying that she was on a date with Jesus and I'm like, you're not on a date with Jesus. And, and I understand that it makes for good things on Hobby Lobby mugs and makes for good captions and makes all of that stuff. But um, let's be more careful with our language. I know that we're trying to, trying to, I don't know, lend to the idea that we're in a relationship with God, right? But the, if the Trinity is true, which it is, Jesus is not here. Jesus was incarnated. And so when people say Jesus taught me, Jesus didn't teach you. Jesus already ascended to the Father. But secondly, it's just we're so sentimental. And we're so sentimental, right, that we're more influenced by sloppy wet kiss than, than a true and accurate view of the love of God. No, there, there is, there is something wrong with a sentimental spirit, and look at the emphasis of Christ. Look at the emphasis of Paul. Look at the emphasis of John, and then you parallel that with what a lot of modern influencers are saying today. And there is a vast gulf between the two. They are just utterly dissimilar. The, the, the language that you that, for example. The, the primary appeal that people make today is say, you know, Jesus, he, he's just desperate for your love. Where does it say that in the Bible? Jesus is not desperate for your love. He is the self, he, he has self-existence. He's self-sustaining. He's not desperate for anything. Jesus, Jesus doesn't experience desperation. Jesus has a self-sufficiency in the community of the Trinity, there, there is, there is a pleasure within the community, and and they, the commu- the community that exists in the Trinity is independent of humanity, and they are they are complete, independent of humanity. Jesus isn't desperate for any of us. Amen. His love is entirely selfless, and 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 and. and it's selfless. And so when he considers the individual and makes the appeal to the individual, it's not because he needs us. It's because we are in desperate need of him. And, and, and so I think that there is this, this corrupted view that's coming in the church that, that is more influenced by sloppy wet kiss, more influenced with, I hear things, Jesus is my boyfriend. No, he's not. Jesus is my homeboy. No, he's not. The Bible is specific in giving us specific terms such as friend right? And, 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 you know, bride and things like that. But there is a sanctity associated with bride and bridegroom. There's no sanctity associated with boyfriend. And, and I think that as you look at the early church and you look at the writings, it, it, it's a dagger to the word, to your heart. You read some of the ancients and, and uh, we need to recover the apostolic paths. We need to recover the ancient paths. And, and the, I see as the generations have gone on, we have lost more of a high view of God, and we are less reverential than ever. 
We've lost the view of sanctity. We have lost the view of, and so I'm not saying that they are insincere in the statements. They are sincere, but sincerely wrong, and they need to mature. They need. They really need to come up to the the level of the word. They need to obtain. Um, look at who was more intimate with the Father than anybody else. It was Jesus Christ, and yet in John seventeen, look at the language that Jesus offers to the Father, and let's ask ourselves if that resembles at all to the prayers that people are making and uttering today. And I think there's a complete difference, an utter difference, and so. Um, I want to pray like Christ. I want to, I want to love like Christ. I want to, uh, uh, live righteously like Christ <clears throat> and who serves as a better model than Jesus Christ himself. And so I think once again, the aim is to never lower the bar. And despite, you know, I remember Leonard Ravenhill said this, he said, we are so subnormal that when a Christian is normal, we feel so insecure of our spirituality that we therefore accuse them of being abnormal. You know, abnormality is, is, is becoming all too common within the church today. Abnormal Christianity is becoming the normal. So that when people begin to live the normal Christian life and are mature, people look at that and say, he's legalistic, he's self-righteous. Nah, Jesus ain't like that. I remember one time when I was at a college campus and uh, one of the professors, um, he was giving a lecture on, um, he was giving a Bible study and invited me. And so there was a lot of younger believers there. And um, I remember he was explaining something from the text and he was clearly wrong. And um, he said that, you know, it's the verse in Timothy where it says, if we remain faithful, it says, if we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Now, what people have said is that if we are faithless and unfaithful, that God still remains faithful to us. And that's not true. That's not what the text is saying, because then that would seem <coughs> to negate the very thing said in the previous verse, that if we deny him and denial of Jesus is associated with unfaithfulness to Jesus. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So the faithfulness is not toward us, but unto himself. And because he's faithful unto us, unto himself, if we are faithless toward him, he will deny us. And this is supported in the scriptures in Hebrews. It says that, he says, um, for, <coughs> I'm paraphrasing, but basically continue in faith. He says, for he that shrinks back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That's what the Bible says. That we ought to give the more earnest heed unto the things on which we have heard. He says, lest at any time we should let them slip. And, and it says, for, for we know who has said, it is mine to repay, says the Lord. And it says, he that endures to the end, the self shall be saved. But why would people not continue unto the end? The people, the reason why the people will not continue in the faith, why? Because the faith has, has been quenched. The faith has been destroyed. They have made shipwreck of faith. Right? If the very thing, amen, somebody, this is Bible. If the very thing that justifies us, if which is by faith, therefore having been justified by faith, right? If we lose that which justifies us, do we remain justified? No, we don't. If I if I lose the faith that initially justified me at the first. I thereby am no longer justified. Amen. And this, this notion that you are eternally secure is false. Otherwise, Paul would not have said they fell from grace or they made shipwreck of faith or names were blotted out of the book of life. Scary stuff. So we have been given the exhortation to abide by faith. <coughs> but guess what? The more we say, oh, but anyways, 
the young brother in that in, in that Bible study, what he said was, <laughs> I like what he says more. What? That's what he said about the it's not about what you like, it's about what's here said. This is a Bible study, not a I want to su submit my mind to the opinion of the professor study. It's not, there's a lot of things I like that pastors say that I like more than what Jesus said. But since I signed up for Christian, uh, to become a Christian, I signed, I signed myself up for death row. Amen. I have no right of my own. I've taken the executioner seat. Right? The cross, you know, you guys see that video of Candace Owens? She was schooling this, I don't know what she was, some OnlyFans, or I don't know what she was exactly. But it was on a podcast. And she said, why, why do you have the crucifix? And and, and uh, I forgot what the response of the, the, the girl was. but And so Candace Owens was basically correcting her. So, oh, so symbols don't have meanings. Words don't have meaning, do they? It, we can just fuse our own meaning with anything that we want nowadays. And, well, I say that to make this point. The cross is a crucifixion. It's an execution. Amen. And when you got hung up on it, there is no going back. Amen. <clears throat> we, we, we've signed up for a death. Now, the death isn't the end because we've been promised resurrection life. But... We can't obtain the glory if we don't go through the cross. Amen. <clears throat> you know, that's why my mind has changed so much over 12 years of being a Christian is because what I have been initially taught isn't what I have found in the text. And I have told God, I remember that I remember that glorious day when before they baptized me, and it was an amazing experience I had during that baptismal service because I, I began to float to the top of the water. And when I came out of that baptismal uh, uh, water, I, I felt as if I had baby skin. I felt like I had restored skin and I was absolutely uh, amazed and, and in shock of the spiritual encounter that I had with the living God. But and I, this isn't any anything at all. To, you know, this isn't my fantasy. This is my actual experience. I begin to ascend to the top of the water. Dead bodies float to the top of the water. Was it? It was. It was a sign that God had given me that I have become a dead man. But as I made the confession of faith before all, they asked me this question, Brother Greg: How long do you intend on serving God? And I said, I turn my, he said, so you ain't going to go back to the drugs. You ain't going to go back to the drink. You ain't going to go back to the women. You ain't going to go back to all that stuff. I said, no, I turn my back on all of that. When I said yes to Jesus Christ and he saved me and redeemed me from a devil's hell. And so that when I made that confession of faith, it's been face forward, uh, uh, pressing toward the mark unto the high gall of God in Christ Jesus. And I've said goodbye to the world and good riddance to it. And I'll tell you what, that initial repentance wasn't the only repentance. I have been repenting. I wouldn't say every day, but there have been seasons of repentance, not necessarily from sin, not necessarily from iniquity, but repentance of changing my mind to accord with the will and the word of God. My tradition said this. My upbringing said this. And they were even good to some extent. But God says to repent from that. Not necessarily, yes, all of the immorality, but that's child's play. When we're speaking of maturity, that means that our entire mind needs to be renewed and conformed to the will and to the word of God. Amen. From faith to faith, from glory to glory. <coughs> what does it say? It says that he was firstborn among many brethren, that we might be conformed to the image of God. Not to, you know, the interesting thing was, I told you guys recently about that, that individual, I'm not putting any names out there, but um, who posted this thing about, you know, the contrast between the 
Western white Indo-European evangelical Jesus and then the racist uh, uh, black Hebrew Israelite Jesus. But anyways, I was refuting their doctrine. They ended up de- deleting the post. I'm like, what happened? Oh, what happened was when you're, when the Im- the Jesus of your own image got held up to the fire, it couldn't endure the word. Amen. Test all things is what Paul said. Believe not every spirit, John said. Right? I don't believe every spirit. Amen. You know, one of the interesting things, <clears throat> it calls for spiritual men and women. You know, during deliverance, where demons, you know, one of the the tricks that the demons will play, because I don't know if you guys ever seen a, a true, genuine demonic possession where the individual is overcome with some very high-ranking demons that literally morphs the face and and changes the countenance and it, it, it's 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 ugly but the demons <clears throat> want to evo- avoid being evicted okay and and what they will do since they're deceivers and manipulators they they will they will hide the manifestation and try to impersonate the individual and say, oh man, I feel better now. You don't have to continue. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for... And and if you see, you can say the right thing, but the one who is in the spirit knows from which spirit they're saying that from. No, 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 no. You, that's the demon talking. You play a real good part. And you even know how to inflect the voice to sound just like the original individual. But I see something, I perceive something by the Spirit. And so this is going back to the whole, Jesus is my boyfriend. You don't know God. A lot of people are saying that out of a sentimental, oh, Jesus. No. We should be in awe of the living God. I'm not saying that we're not intimate. But intimacy is not sentimentalism. Intimacy is I love God so much that he has my all and I obey him. Everything that is mine is his. And I submit my ways. I submit my will. I submit my relationships. I submit everything unto him. And he calls the shot. Lord, I love you. Everything is yours. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my days and all my hours, all my ransom powers, all for Jesus. Can this generation say that today? No, we have a we have a a, a Jesus that serves everything on the platter of the individual. We have we have these wretched memes coming out here with Jesus washing the feet of a gay person, washing the feet of a, a, a jihadist terrorist. Excuse me? No. Jesus didn't do that for them. He washed the feet of his apostles who were following him. What, what did Peter say? I have, we have left all for you, Lord. We've left all. Amen. Jesus rejected those who refused to repent. He rejected them. <clears throat> and he, he he didn't he didn't come begging to please follow me. Please follow me. I will give you, hey, guess what? The church got some snow cones. Hey, we got some bounce houses. You like to bounce a little bit? Bounce for Jesus? Right? <laughs> <laughs> We got some rappers. <laughs> Did I not package the message for you nicely enough? I understand wanting people to come to Jesus, but the standard remains the same. And we're not going to fold. We're not going to conform. We're not going to do all that. We're not going to bend over backwards and try to change the word and play origami with the scriptures to suit this generation. Amen. <clears throat> right? Bounce like R. Kelly. 
It's not gonna happen. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying don't make appeals to people. I'm not saying don't love people. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that. Um. We we we. You know, even with Jesus. He gave them the word of God, and three days later, then he gave them something to eat. Today, we're saying, hey, get something to eat, and then, we're, you know, I've seen it here. We're going to, um, during Thanksgiving, we're going to invite all the community out, and we're going we're gonna to promise everybody free turkeys, but you guys get the turkey afterward, after you come inside the church and hear the message. <coughs> I'm sorry, but... I just don't like the idea of manipulating people into the house of God, holding them hostage and exploit their neediness by saying, I'll keep you this long, right? And then here's your turkey. See, the, the anointing should be so, so compelling that that's not even on the minds of the individuals. Amen, amen. Am I saying don't feed people? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... You know, we, we need to make, we, we have failed to make Christ attractive. We've, we've made pizza and video games attractive for youth meeting, and it's no wonder why our children don't have an ounce of spirituality in their bones. Amen. And now they have to do catch-up because of those who have gone before them have failed. You know, the, you know my, my boy, he, if I question him right now and I ask him how many books are in the Bible, he can tell me. And he's only six years old. He, he, if I ask him right now, if he knows what omnipotence is, he knows what it is. If what omnipresence is, he knows what it is. If I ask him, uh, um, think, even theological questions, my boy knows what it is. And he knows to pray. And he does pray. And he's six years old. He says there's 66 books. There's divided testaments, the New and the Old Testament. Am I saying that to boast? No, I'm saying that because he's going to be more spiritual than his father. And it begins by sowing seeds at a young age, indoctrinating them in the ways of Christ. Why? Because I'm a priest of my home and we don't take priesthood seriously enough. The Muslims are better priests of their home than the Western evangelical Christians who feed all this junk to their kids but won't show them the ways of the Lord. Right? So now we have to appeal to a generation that has no spirituality, man. I've seen kids nine years old speaking in tongues for, for hours at retreats. Eight years old, nine years old, crying in the presence of God with hands lifted high, worshiping God. That's where our children need to be so that when they go out into the world, they're not ill-equipped when they go into the lion's den of academia and institutions of higher learning. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, is it hard? Yes, it is. Is it discipline? Yes, it is. It is hard. And it takes the help of Almighty God through the Holy Ghost to empower us, to enable us to do what we cannot do in ourselves. Amen. I believe that. Or you can raise, you know, or you can raise up soldiers to infiltrate those lion's dens. And begin to snatch people from the fire. <coughs> Amen. 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 Just like, uh, you know, Brother Malachi uh, set ablaze, praying and interceding for the, the college campus and, and willing to put up a fight and give the devil a black eye. Right? Amen. That's where we need to be. Um, but, but... Let, let, let me let me just say this real quickly, and then we'll, we'll get on to prayer. <clears throat> it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, you know, the problem, the wretched thing we have today in church are, are uh, uh, um, either we hand things down to the individual because they're our uh, uh, brother, 
our biological brother, or, hey, you get to pastor it because you're my blood brother. Who said that? Did the Holy Ghost say that? Did the Holy Ghost give us instructions that the one who is to succeed, the pastor who is now retiring or had gone on to be with the Lord, that it has to stay within the family? Or, 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 or do we wait upon the Holy Ghost to hear instructions from him? The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. Right? Amen. Amen. But, you know, the problem, the reason why we have so much corruption in the church is because people want to do what they want to do. They want, to, they, they want the attention. They want the, the, they want the clout. You know, that's why we have Stephen Furtick churches where we have to appoint people, uh, a designated people to shout at specific times in the sermon to make it sound like there's more hoorah than there is. Wow. Oh, and we have to uh, uh, get certain photographers that have to take pictures in the right uh, places so that, uh, and, and the pastor says this, so that there will look like there's more people. You know, so when we have, when we're motivated by carnal things like that, it's no wonder why the spirit doesn't brood in the sanctuary. But look at what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said this. They weren't trying to force anything. They were just ministering to the Lord. And the Lord says, okay, I found some people whose heart are right with me. What does the Bible say in Chronicles? The Lord is searching to and fro throughout the earth, looking for a heart that is completely his. You know, a lot of people trust God, but can God trust you? Amen. You know what Paul say? He says, the Lord counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. So, so <clears throat> Paul was faithful as a Christian. And, and, and so the Lord didn't say, oh, you know, I don't care about your character. You got some giftings and skills and I'm going to expedite you to apostleship. No, he was faithful in the Lord even before Christ had appointed him as an apostle. Now we got people that are self-acclaimed apostles, self-acclaimed prophets, and haven't, haven't served at all. They have no character. They have no backbone. They haven't lived righteous. They don't have a reputable track record. And it's no wonder why so much bad stuff happened in the church and people get church hurt because of that corruption. Because they're more interested in fulfilling what is pleasing to them rather than serving the Lord despite if they get attention or not. Amen. <clears throat> but look, at the Holy Spirit says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Man didn't call them. Now... You got to be careful because people say, oh, God called me. I don't need I don't need to wait on man. Oh, is that right? So then why is Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, why did they wait to be singled out by the Holy Spirit through men? Amen. A amen. Amen. You know, I remember even even before I, I had come under. Uh, my cousin, Prophet James, I remember people are saying, hey, start your own church, start your own church, you know, open up this church. And I said, the Holy Ghost ain't telling me. Amen. Amen. Did I want to? Yes, but the Holy Spirit ain't telling me. It, it doesn't matter if I want to. It doesn't matter if I slap Jesus on and say, it's for Jesus, I can manipulate people, but I can't manipulate God. And I, first and foremost, to be Amen. a priest, you have to be a minister unto the Lord. The problem is a lot of men like ministering to people, but they don't like ministering to the Lord. You know why? Because it's lonely. There is no accolades. There is no applauds. No man is greater than their prayer life. What did the Ian Bounds say? To, in order to be much for God, one must be much with God? Amen. See, if the Holy Spirit hasn't sanctioned that, hasn't sanctified that work, it ain't God's house, it's your house, in the name of God. Wow. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. But this is the point that I really wanted to get to. Verse 6, oh, verse 4, let's keep reading. 
<clears throat> and this is going to be the direction of, of our prayer. <clears throat> so, uh, verse 4. The two of them <clears throat> sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and sailed uh, from there to Cyprus. When they arrived to uh, Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. You know, the, the interesting thing is Paul didn't say, hey, you know, I'm the Apostle Paul. You know, I, I, got, a, uh, I got a free pass. No. He, so he was submitted to the, the, the church at Jerusalem. You know, people don't like that. So that means no matter how much you know, no matter how much experience you have in God, don't matter if you got caught up to the third heaven like Paul the the apostle. He he didn't say, oh, I'm going to just do my own thing. He submitted himself to the Jerusalem council, to the Jerusalem church. You know. Amen. I'll leave it there. <clears throat> Verse 6. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Remember what I was saying earlier about the Hebrew Israelite Jesus? And, you know, all these other Jesus. See, this guy claimed to be Bar-Jesus. And if, if, if my memory serves me correctly, that means son of Jesus. I might I might be incorrect on that, but if if I remember correctly, it's uh, bar implies the son of. So, you know, this guy is is trying to be some form of representative, right? Trying to act like he's a son of Jesus, but he's a son of the devil. Okay, thank you for that confirmation. <coughs> now look it, he's a sorcerer. Right? So he's a false prophet. It says, who was attended at, of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. So what does this show? It doesn't matter if you're intelligent, if you're intellectual, you can still be under the, the deception of witchcraft and sorcery. Here this man, Sergius, was was Amen. an intelligent man, and yet, despite his intelligence, he couldn't think his way out of witchcraft. Amen. He was under the cloak of a wicked man, of a sorcerer. But it says, but Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them <coughs> and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. And so what do false prophets do? They try to turn you away from the faith. They, they, they say, you know what, hey, you know, this Jesus sounds better. I like what that guy says more. It's not about the scriptures. What did Paul and Barnabas go to do? They had been set apart by the Holy Ghost, commissioned by the, the prophets there, in order to proclaim the word of God. So they were, in, they were wanting to draw men from the kingdom of darkness. And the moment they began to do that, they came up against opposition. See, every time you want to do something for the Lord, you're going to come up against demonic opposition. Right? The devil is not going to want you to accomplish Amen. what you intend on doing for the Lord, and you're going to get sucker punched, and he doesn't play fair, and he will hit you where it hurts. He will exploit all your weaknesses. You know, I, you know, a time to time, I, I sent some of you guys the, the uh, link of this YouTube video of these... Um, exorcists and stuff like that. From time to time, I listen to these things just to refresh my memory um, to to help sober my mind that, I, that, that, that we're in this war for real. <clears throat> but, you know, you know he, he was confessing this one time where um, this deacon had wanted to tag along and he says, there's no exorcism tourism. <laughs> In other words, you're, it's not a show. And, and so he says he had gone, and uh, <coughs> the demon and, and this individual singled that deacon out. He says, you think you're so smart, don't you? Just because you study at Rome and you know languages, you're nothing. 
you're weak. And he was studying at Rome and he thought he was smart. (laughs) Why do I say that? Because you, you might fool people, but you're not even fooling demons. They know all about you even before you get there. And so, so you, you think they're stupid? You don't think that they're going to hit you where you're tempted most? And we call it coincidence? Right? It's not coincidence. <clears throat> right? Tempted with this, tempted to lie, or tempted to, to go fornicate, tempted with different things, or porn, or or. Or, or alcohol, or what? I'm not saying this to insult us, but it's to show that they know where your weakness is. Right? So we, we need to be strengthened by the word of God so that we are for, we're, we're fortified and have no exposure to his schemes. Right? What did Jesus say? He says, you know, now the, the prince of this world is judged and he has nothing in me. In other words, the devil couldn't identify an area to exploit the Christ. He attempted him all points just like we, yet Christ was without sin. And thanks be to the Lord that we do in fact have a merciful and faithful high priest. And what did John the Beloved say? He says, I am writing unto you, dear children, that you may not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. Amen. Whose blood atones for our iniquity. <clears throat> but it says, He sent for Barnabas and Saul, and he wanted to hear the word of God. <clears throat> but Elymas, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So the devil is going to try to do everything to turn you away from the faith. And But my focus here is witchcraft. See, see, uh, uh, Sergius was in company what he hurt out this sorcerer. And so this sorcerer is like wowing him with stuff. See, you can be wowed by seduction. You can be wowed because, you know, this person never gave you the time of day, never gave you a chance. And all of a sudden they're calling up your phone. And, 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 you know, before you came to Christ, they wanted nothing to do with you. But now that you're in Christ, all of a sudden they're interested in you. Right. And that's what witchcraft does. Is, is through seduction or intimidation. They want to put a veil over your face, a veil over your eyes to turn you away from the faith. Right? Through fear, through, through, through lies, through deception, through seduction. Any, any way to dominate you, to get you in a place of domination. Uh, I'm about to say denomination. Domination. And he may very well use denomination to get you to domination. Right? Um, But look at what it says. Then Saul, who was called Paul. You know, Saul, prior to Saul's appearing, this man was under witchcraft. And so what does it show you? That there are times it requires to be preached to the word of God to unlift the veil that has been over your eyes for a long time. But you, know, but you know what people do today? No, no. They call the word of God in truth confusion. Oh, that's confusing me. I never heard that before. I it, No, it can't be true. Right? Just because your mind is challenged don't mean God is doesn't mean the devil's confusing you. God is challenging the lies that the devil has told you to believe all this while. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees as your traditions have made the word of God null and void? Amen. <clears throat> but look it. <clears throat> then Saul, who was called also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. He ain't filled with selfish ambition. He's not filled with anything else except the Holy Spirit. He's filled with it. Not not just have drips, right? Or drops. Of the, no, he's filled to the brim. He looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil. 
Isn't that ironic? He proclaims to be bar Jesus, son of Jesus. And with irony, Paul rebukes him and says, you're a child of the devil. You're not a son of Jesus. You're a son of the devil. Uh, It's a way that I see God slaps the enemy. Right? Amen. But he says, you are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of (coughs) deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. Oh, wait, what what happened? What happened to the snow cones and the bounce houses? Jesus loves sorcerers, too. (laughs) Right? Amen. What, how come Paul didn't, with limp, uh, you know, a weak wrist, say, Jesus loves you? You know, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't do that. He didn't sing songs to him either. <laughs> right? Amen. I'm not saying that there isn't a place. <clears throat> but, the, but normally... Well, that's for the contrite, for the for the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> if you're a witch, a warlock, a gangbanger, a prostitute, LGBT, a stripper, or whatever you were, <clears throat> if you come to the Lord in, con- in contrition and poor spirit, he will no wise cast out. For a broken and contrite heart, it says in Psalm 51, he will not despise. But you know what he will despise? He will despise the stout of heart. He will despise and reject those who are proud in heart. What does it say in, in 1 Peter and also in James? It says, the uh, 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 humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God. He will lift you up in due time. For God gives grace unto the humble, but he resists the proud. Amen. He resists them. And why does it say right here, the hand of the Lord is against you, not for you. The hand of the Lord is unto the contrite. That's why it says in Psalm 55 that even though a righteous man does fall, says the Lord upholds him with his righteous right hand. Amen. But the Lord upholds the righteous, even if they fall, but the Lord's hand is against those who are wicked and unrepentant. He says, now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. (coughs) Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Look at what it says in Psalm uh, 9, verse 7. Psalm 9, verse 7. Uh, Wait, wait, not verse 7. I'm sorry. It's uh, Psalm 7, verse 6. Arise, Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. And then verse 16, or verse 15, um, whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. The trouble they cause recoils on them. Their violence comes down on their own heads. So now when you go back to uh, uh, Acts 13, what we see here is this man by deceit and trickery led people to blindness. And so blindness was now his portion and had come upon his own head. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? See, people say this psalm stuff, the prayers of psalm is just for the Old Testament. Then why is the Lord still fulfilling this stuff in the new? Amen. Praise God. Right? So he had blinded the minds of of Sergius and other people. and, And even when the word of God had come... He didn't believe the word of God. 
<clears throat> and he didn't want other people to believe it either. And so, you know, not only does this apply for the wicked, but it applies for the righteous. So that if you have if you have ministered unto others, you have given, the Lord repays. The Lord uh, recompenses you for your for your alms and for your sacrifices and for your prayers, and you will show you shall in no wise lose your reward. What does it say? Give and it shall be given unto you in full measure. Press down, shaken together, uh, shall the Lord pour into your lap, running over. Amen. If the Lord repays the wicked, he repays the righteous. So that wickedness don't fall on our head, blessing falls on our head. So why, why do you think when, when the ministers lay hands and the, puts oil, it's not for cursing, but it's for blessing? On top of your head, that it would, like what does it say, that the oil is like the oil that ran down the beard of Aaron? Right? <coughs> Amen. So, so the reason why I, I, I read this is because I want us to pray against uh, uh, witchcraft, against trickery, against deceit. And it can come through people. It can come through dreams. You know, the devil wants to instill wicked dreams into you and to pump fear because you know what he's doing? He's foretelling, he's fortune telling, right? What he wants to see come into your life. Oh, you're going to die. You're going to die an early death. Or, you know, you ain't going to make it. Or, you're, you're going to, uh, um, you, you know, you're going to have insufficient funds. Or, you're going to be ensnared by by fornication. See, the devil is fortune telling to you. He's, he's prophesying his own lies and trickery to you. To speak death over your life. To, to, to subject you to witchcraft. Right? Amen. Or it can be your cousin. It can be your mom. It can, it can be your best, your so-called best friend, right? It can be in a heat of fell. Right? Amen. Yeah, prophet line. Um, Look at 2 Samuel chapter 15. We'll close with this one. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse Actually, let, let's begin at verse uh, 10 of, of, of chapter 15. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. Now, what hap what's happening is there's an insurrection. Because David is king, right? And, and, and they're, they're in opposition to David. Okay, <clears throat> and so the, they're they're wrongfully declaring, right? This this wicked Absalom is king. It says verse twelve. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following following kept on increasing. See, just because the devil's schemes seem to be increasing doesn't mean that God is ordaining it or God approves of it or God's not going to do anything about it. Amen. Right? This is the devil's cause. Right? To 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 conspire against Amen. the righteous. And look at what it says. Now, now notice though, Ahithophel used to be David's counselor. 
Just because they're in your close proximity don't mean that they're for you. Right? Amen. Now, (coughs) um, excuse me. But look at, uh, Excuse me. I want to try to find one more verse um, in this chapter. Verse 13. A messenger came and told David, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all the officials who are with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following them, and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him, <coughs> along with all the Kerithites and Pelithites, all 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. Now go to verse uh, 30. But David continued up the Mount of Olives weeping as he went. His head was covered with, uh, and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been told Ahitophel is among the conspirators with Absalom so David prayed, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. All right? What did he pray? Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. <coughs> we want the counsel of the devil that is conspiring against our lives to be turned into foolishness. Amen. Now look at, look, turn to chapter 17, verse 14. <clears throat> so, so it says, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai, the archite, is better than that of Ahithophel. For the Lord had determined to frustrate the good advice of Ahithophel in order to bring disaster on Absalom. But notice though, the Lord responded to the prayer of David. The Lord didn't operate independent of the prayer of David. What did David pray? Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. So David led by the Spirit in subjection to the will of God, living righteously, prayed what God desired. Because God desired to bring disaster on Absalom. And so what did the Lord do for David? It says, For the Lord had determined to frustrate the good advice of Ahithophel in order to bring disaster on Absalom. (coughs) Why? Because Ahithophel was advising Absalom. Right? Hey, do this, do this. And if you read in verse 23 of chapter 16, his advice wasn't poor advice. It was good advice. It says, now in, the days, uh, now in those days, the advice of Ahithophel gave was like that of one who inquires of God. That was, uh, uh, that was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. Or as according to some translations, some people say that he, his advice was as if he himself was a god. And and yet David what used to be counseled by him, and now Absalom is counseled by him, right? In order to conspire against David, <coughs> his advice is considered good, and yet up against God, good don't stand a chance. It doesn't matter how uh, persuasive or how compelling something is that is against you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. So it don't matter how uh, how strong the army is. It don't matter how uh, 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 
a strong <coughs> or persuasive an individual is that is coming against you. If we're in uh, the vein of what God desires, the hand of the Lord will be against him. Now look at Second uh, Samuel chapter 17, verse 23. When Ahithophel saw that all his saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and set out for his house in his hometown. He put his house in order, then hanged himself. So he died and was buried in his father's tomb. <clears throat> Isn't that an ending? <clears throat> But see, that was his ending because he was a mouthpiece, right? That wasn't for the man of God, wasn't for David the king, wasn't for the Lord's chosen, right? And and he's trying to conspire against the kingdom of David, trying to put an end to the plans of God, just like Elymas, bar Jesus, was trying to do with the perp- against the purposes of God, Right? So it don't matter if it's your blood family. It don't matter if it's your friend. It don't matter who it is. People that are coming against the will of God in your life are used to the devil and are operating with the devices of witchcraft. <coughs> and the fact that you say, oh, no, that's that's my family. That can't be. It just shows that the, the, the devices are working. Oh, he's too attractive. I can't leave him. She's too good looking. I can't leave him or leave her. <clears throat> the devil already has a hook. So let, let, let us begin praying. Amen.